0: All right.
1: Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunchtime, 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit time, 1,000 degrees Celsius time. I'm not good at math, but it's really hot time. Almost football time in Tennessee time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan, coming to you from Fort Rucker. Still not in the studio because somebody—I don't, I don't want to name names. Somebody hasn't uh, bought the chairs yet that we need to for everyone else to not sit on the floor.
0: Couldn't or. we copy and paste the part, you know, just kind of take it from previous episodes where we explain why we're not in the studio yet?
1: Well, because it's always been a different reason. This time it's because we don't have chairs.
0: It's been like three months, four months we've been saying, like, we'll be oh, there next week.
1: Yeah. But not a lot of that was construction stuff. A lot of that was other stuff. We got plenty to discuss today. Also should say quickly that we will have uh, Worthless Grant Ramey on later in the program. He and I will sit down to talk a little bit of Tennessee hoops. Why are we talking Tennessee hoops when there's so much football going on right before the season? Because
2: uh, hashtag five star.
1: Because hashtag five star, five star, five star. So we got plenty of stuff to talk about that. We're going to get to all that. We're going to start, obviously, with football. And before we get to that, everyone doing all right today? Everyone doing pretty well?
0: Doing okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Good Thursday morning for everybody out there. Hope you're. Hope you're. Of course, I say morning. Might be afternoon. Might be evening when you're listening. Might be Friday or Saturday when you're listening. I don't want to judge. I'm not going to judge you. Yeah,
0: that's but, why you do the intro the way you do it. But if it's Thursday
1: morning, hope you're having a good Thursday morning, everyone. Speaking of uh, some interesting things that have happened this week, it seems like every time that we go out there for for Tennessee football practice, something interesting happens. Not something maybe like, oh my gosh, that's crazy, but something interesting tends to happen
0: well especially after we're out there for the first time in five days or six days whatever it was with any practice access because they were kind of behind closed doors for a few days there
1: yeah this is the 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 kind of the copycat league and everyone in the league kind of shuts things down so when that happens uh, a lot of people don't really know anything so uh, that's just the way of the world we live in now but we do have sources and we do get to see things and we do get to hear things from other people and what was really interesting guys we go out there in camp the other day and we're looking at practice and everything looks pretty normal then we go speak to the second year Tennessee football head coach Jeremy Pruitt after practice and he said something really really interesting Tuesday afternoon something that I think we have got to discuss right now he said and again Tennessee season starts in a little more than a week if you're listening to this on Thursday morning about nine days and I think seven plus two yeah that's nine good math if what he said is accurate it's one of the more interesting things I've heard about this particular position. Jeremy Pruitt said that Tennessee might really play 10 offensive linemen, which you do not often hear anyone at any level of football say. Yeah. And, you know, because some teams either play like they play their main five for for most of the game. Some teams rotate a sixth. Some teams do seven. Some do eight.
0: There was that year Tennessee played – tiny Richardson on a regular basis yeah. when he wasn't a starter you know you, you can work in a six guy sometimes and not yeah, was, make it too odd That was the
2: Alex Bullard year I think yeah uh when they had him and I think Marcus Jackson and mm-hmm. the, other, the other four guys stayed the same I gotta be honest I'm a little skeptical uh we're gonna
0: talk to Will Friend on Thursday well I'm skeptical of what so I want to hear what he says I'm skeptical of what happens after three games I think he's telling the truth about what's going to happen early in the season. Well, yeah, you hope you can
2: play 10 guys because you hope you're going to be up by 40 points against Georgia State and Chattanooga, at least those two teams. Yeah.
1: Now, here, here's what I'm wondering. One is this posturing, and there might be uh, some very good reasons to posture here. Might be some very good reasons to posture here. One, this day and age, with the transfer portal being what it is, there are guys that may not play a lot, but you really don't want to lose them for whatever reason. And so you tell them going into the season they're going to play. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't play as much as they think. But you want to keep them invested on a daily basis. You want to make them think conceivably that – They're either right there in the picture or they're going to play or they have every opportunity to go beat that guy out and practice the next day and get that spot. So you don't want anyone to be disinterested. That's one. Number two, and I think this is less important going into a season than it is during the season, you don't want everybody out there knowing exactly what you're doing because that's going to make scouting easier. If you know, for instance, let's say you you were going to move Jameer Johnson to left tackle. Let's say you were going to do that. Uh, Well, all of a sudden now people can look at Jameer Johnson's pass rushing or or pass blocking last year at guard. They might see something that they, oh, we can expose this, and they throw that at him at tackle, and that makes the difference in the play that wins or loses a ball game. Those kinds of things can happen. I think coaches are paranoid about it, but it does happen enough to where I understand that. So there are a couple reasons why he might be posturing here. But let's consider the possibility that he either literally meant 10 or figuratively he meant a lot of people are going to play is that a good thing a bad thing what do we think of that
2: well i think it could be either way i think <clears throat> on if you're trying to think of it as a good thing your think your thought process is oh well they've got 10 guys that have proven that they deserved playing time i mean that that's how coaches operate if or that's how good coaching staffs operate if you Correct. if you show in practice and in scrimmages and in team periods and whatnot that uh, as a player that you deserve playing time then most coaching staffs will find a way to get you on the field somewhere or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the way it's bad is sort of like the old, if you have two quarterbacks, you have zero kind of argument. And that's the thought process that, oh, they've got a bunch of guys that really haven't separated themselves. A clear-cut best five hasn't come, you know, kind of come out yet. The Sackitators. Something like that. And so you wonder, um, at, at Tennessee fans at this point, they don't they don't care really who's on the offensive line. They just want to see an offensive line that plays well. Yep. And so you're worried if you're if you're thinking of this as a bad thing, you're worrying that uh, the quality isn't going to be there. Um, mm-hmm. And and so that's
1: which I think is an understandable concern. Um,
2: and so, like I said, I, I was skeptical. I want to hear what Will Friend has to say about this when when we talked to him on Thursday, um, because Pruitt's a defensive guy, and I just keep going back to something that that, um, that Jim Cheney said before practice started. He said, "Great that, point." I know what you're going to say. say uh, he said that you know defensive coaches, defensive coordinators, think that you can just you know, you can rotate guys on the offensive line in and out, like it's any other position when in, in offensive coaches and people that know the offensive line and offensive line coaches, which Cheney has, has a long background coaching that position knows that that's not how it works. You know, there's, there's a lot of intricacies. It's not as easy to, you know, to play one side, you know, play on the left side, play on the right side. It's not as easy as, you know, lining up at the slot or lining up outside a receiver or on up in the backfield next to the quarterback and shotgun or behind him. If you're a running back, so forth, so on and so forth. So, Um, I, I, I'm not sure which one I think, how I think about it yet. I think there's some decent players on this offensive line. I do think there is competition. I think that's probably the one thing that's probably the best part out of this is that whoever the best five is, they're going to have, they're going to have earned it by the end of, by the end of things. Whoever's on, you know, if they do get to a five, uh, those five will have either earned it by what they've done in preseason or what they show in the first two, three games. So, um, but yeah, offensive line is not a position where you see a whole lot of rotating, um, because that's such a position where it's so important. You got to know the guy next to you, and you got to you got to operate as one. So, um, I I I don't I don't know what to make of this yet. I'm still like I said, I'm still a little skeptical. But I also could see that there's not a, been a lot of separation, and they have worked a lot of guys in there, and and maybe that's just they're they're going to see what they have. Maybe they're going to learn more what they have. Um, maybe after the first couple games, because
1: yeah. every time we go out there, it needs to be mentioned that just about every time we go out there. We see some guys on the O line working in different spots. That's not something that's new. We've seen that mm-hmm. quite a bit throughout camp, which is not uncommon early oh. in camp. But now the season's getting closer, and they're still doing that, which I, I think maybe does mean something.
2: They're doing a lot more moving around and what we don't see. Yeah. Um. And and even the past week or so. That's
1: what I mean too. Like when we when we leave and what we hear e- about later. E-
2: even even what we've seen in the past week or so, it's it's been you know four guys going through a drill at once. You can't really formulate anything. on the, uh, based on that on tuesday they they kind of have they're kind of doing pass protection sets and it was the guards were with one group and then the tackles were with another group and then they switched and it's like it looked like you know at one point in the drill darnell wright was lining up between marcus tatum and brandon kennedy yep and wasn't you and i had this conversation you we were did like, walk off the field you're like he was at right guard and i'm like i know because they didn't have a left guard there they were just kind of going through pass sets i'm not buying anything um, and, and then, then I, and then
1: I made a joke that we can't listen. We have to have a united front in front of the children, Pat. We can't go to the checkerboard with these different suggestions, and then the kids are going to start going. Why are mommy and daddy arguing at the dinner table? We had to be on the same page. Then, so I went back and looked, and I was like, you, Pat, you were right. They were on so tackle I'm, stances. I'm usually I, it right. Made me so angry. I was like, I have to concede defeat on that. I, one. You usually, are you are correct.
0: I'm usually right. But but I I think this uh, the I think the fans' reaction to this. Is going to be why are they doing this? Why the, are the, they the the general consensus
2: I got yesterday was that it was that they viewing that many are viewing this as a bad thing.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think, th- and that's why I thought what Jeremy Pruitt said last week, which was more telling to me in a way than what he said on Tuesday. But what when he said last week that you know it might be one group one week and a different group the next, and and kind of indicating that the competition is not going to end when the season starts. I, I kind of had a feeling fans weren't going to like the way this was playing out because what fans want to see, what they think is best in most cases, is pick a five, just any five, because they've had such little consistency the last two years on the offensive line that they think that's part of the problem. And I can understand that because, like you said, Patrick, you, familiarity and, and knowing you know chemistry with the guys around you, it matters on the offensive line. It does. But
1: Well, and if you're going from, say, left tackle to right guard, if you have to spend any time – thinking about a play call about where you are yeah. and what you're supposed to do that's not good like it reminds me of the time Tennessee was playing arkansas years ago and it was on the other side of the ball but julian battle was a guy who played corner and safety for tennessee mm-hmm. and it was in that six overtime game where they needed six ot to to beat arkansas and that was the game where the the field goal hit the upright and then bounced over and the one where witten ultimately caught the, the touchdown pass to win the game mm-hmm. uh, crazy night but that game doesn't go to overtime if julian battle doesn't forget what position he's playing because he was in a coverage and I think he kind of released somebody back thinking he was at one spot when he was at another. And so I'm walking down to the field with less than five minutes to go thinking since he's got this thing wrapped up And, and I'm walking down the stairs. I'll never forget it. And I see an Arkansas sideline runner just streaking down the sideline. No one near him. I was like, that's probably not good. And the guy scores a touchdown and then the game goes to six overtimes. So it can happen on either side of the ball. Like if you forget, wait a minute, I'm at I'm at left guard, not right guard on this play. And so you go the wrong way and then you get your quarterback blown up. Those little things matter, which is why I understand why you need to know who's next to you and you need to know what position you're playing.
0: Yeah. And and so that I, I think that's what fans have kind of been wanting. Just like, hey, we don't care who it is. You know, it can be one freshman starting, it can be both, it can be neither, but just pick a five and stick with it. And I think that's what people have kind of wanted to see. And now we're obviously, I think, not going to see that, or at least it's not going to be that way to start the year. But like you said, Patrick, I'm I'm interested in seeing, do we maybe see a starting five to start the year that ends up being the starting five for the rest of the year? Or are we going to see one group against uh, Georgia State, and then they just sort of evaluate it after playing nine or 10 guys in a game that could be fairly one-sided? And then against BYU, you see a different group the next week. That's what i I don't know how that's going to play out, but I do think the fact that they've got some young guys who honestly might not be in the starting lineup to open the year, I think that does complicate it because Wanye, Morris and Darnell Wright. It's possible neither starts the opener, and if that's the case, then I think you have to look at it as, as still a, a fluid competition and something that's going to carry over into the season.
2: Yeah, and I think that that's for those two guys. I, I think that's the biggest reason to think that it's still fluid because those guys are going to be better in you know three weeks into September. Yeah, after you know playing three games under their under the belt than, than they are right now. And so um, – and, and that's the thing. I, I don't think they've moved those two guys around a whole lot. Um, Seems
0: like we've heard them pretty much stationary for the yeah. most part. Maybe Wanye Morris a little bit at little, guard. Yeah,
2: and, and you know, I, I don't know that Darnell Wright's a left tackle, but um, but they've got other options there that they don't really need to give him too many looks over there. But, again, they're, they're trying to find their best five. I think we know three of the five. Yeah. Uh, I think Marcus Tatum will be at one of the tackle spots. Um, we've only seen him work at, at right tackle, but he did start – what five games last year at left tackle? Brandon Kennedy will be at center. That's about the only, that's about the only thing we probably know. At if this he's point.
1: on two healthy legs, he's the center. <clears throat> and yep. we
2: know that Trey Smith will probably be at left guard if he's clear, but we don't know if he's going to be clear. No. So um, he's still not doing any sort of team stuff in practice. And how and much scrimmage. of a
1: concern is that? Because you're doing the same thing you did last season, where he doesn't get much of a time to get ready. And is he his best, the best version of himself? And then do you <laughs> throw him right into the lineup, or do you gradually work yes. him in? That's that's.
2: There's no there's no hesitation there, Wes. He's your he's your best player. Even it, Rusty, he's probably better than I all think, the other we, guards. We okay, that, my, my,
1: my answer to this is is, I, I think it, is, if, is if, if he's at guard, then yes. If he's at tackle, then I think yeah. you have to be careful. But if he's I, a guard, throw him out
2: there. I don't think they're going to play him at tackle. I think yeah. they figured out last year that wasn't his best position.
0: And that's what I was going to say. What we saw last year gives me a little pause, but it's still plus, Trey Smith. You're plus, playing And Plus, you also, between
2: last season and now, you've signed two five-star tackles, and Marcus Tatum has uh, blown up to 320 pounds and jameer johnson now is playing tackle more than he was and, last and year.
1: had a great interview wednesday afternoon too. Yeah. apparently i went i was on the other half of the room so i didn't get the the good marcus tatum interview i got well, stuck with the guys who weren't as exciting but but he uh, apparently he had I, a good interview
2: i was only over there when he was talking about how he got up to 320 pounds which is a story i felt like i've written five times well I, I did write the one where he got up to 320 pounds i wrote that and how many in, peanut in butter August. and jellies were you eating yeah, per day it's like yeah. yeah it's like we know he's big now um but then apparently he got great talking about how yeah. the entire uh, university. The quote.
0: Yeah, here's 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 the the highlight of what he said. Now, for I've I've loved talking to Marcus Tatum since he was in high school. He's always a pretty he is a smart kid, a pretty sharp kid. kid, and very insightful, and and can give you a, a, a good explanation of things. A he's lot. It's also of times. funny too, which yeah. is,
1: which is he has a personality.
0: Kind of deadpan in a way because he's he's sort of got a monotone delivery usually. But he said, "Just tired of losing. It's really embarrassing to go out there and everybody just blamed it on us, and it's." Usually, it usually is our fault most of the time. You just want to make a difference. You don't want to be that whole excuse for why you're losing and why the whole university is falling apart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, wow.
1: When you deliver it, when, when you when you offer it with the deadpan delivery, it really hits home how because. You know he's saying everything, but you know they're going to call the chancellor and apologize, bring on the governor, get him on a conference call, apologize to him for the state's economy. You know, just whatever, just going on and, and on and, and
0: on. I, and I think as a fan, you love that because that's fans want players to hurt with them, even though players hurt way more than fans most of the time, way more. Like, because
1: because they hurt more emotionally, and on yeah. top of that, they're hurting physically.
0: Yeah, but the but the emotion it hits. I know fans think losses are terrible. Players own it three times more than that because they are living it but
1: and they're and the video is out there for millions to yeah. watch of them getting beat
2: like a drum. And that sucks
0: a, yeah now a player's bad game means he's getting blown up on social media by fans telling him you know awful things don't, So
2: don't if you're listening don't tweet at players just yeah. don't do it but this is positive you can tweet at players if it's positive still uh, think twice but don't don't be the guy that's cussing out a yeah college kid on twitter would, I mean, come on. Would, would
1: you walk up to some random 18 to 21 year old that you didn't know and say something horrible Probably not, so don't do it online either. Yeah. It's just a, But he, he, here, here's what I was wondering, because I've said this time and time again, what this gets down to is, is a bottom line thing for me, is one of the most important and most difficult jobs any head coach has to do is man management. It's not just accumulating talent and using it. That is a big part of it, and you have you to know X's and O's. Happy. Is that where you're going with this? Yes. You have to understand there's a fine line. Because you have to let people who are starters have a little bit of wiggle room. You, ha- you can't have them be so nervous that if they make one mistake, they're out of the game because then they're not playing their best. And you have to take guys who are not playing yet, and you have to give them enough hope. And you can't just sell it. You have to give them enough genuine hope that if they keep working hard, they're helping the team, and that eventually they might get their chance. And that is what's difficult. For I don't care if you have the talent level of a Nick Saban or John Calipari, or I don't care if you're at a Division three college down the road, going two and eight every year. And you have got to man manage,
0: especially if it's a guy that you think might be disappointed by not starting the opener that you think you're going to need later in the year. And most or, of the time, or even is.
1: later in his career,
0: yeah. But but it but yeah that that's part of it and you, yeah you have to keep players around you know in some cases you might be worried about someone transferring if you name them a, a backup two weeks before the start of the season yes. that's always a concern uh, but but you know say say Wan-Yay Morris or Darnell Wright doesn't start it could be both it could be either but say one of those guys doesn't start. I don't think they're going to be discouraged the way a junior not starting would be. Well, yeah,
1: if it's like you know, if it's like a Locklear or a Calvert or somebody yeah, like that, then, it's a little then, more of a blow for
0: those guys. Know, or Jameer
1: Johnson, you know, then then yeah. then you're at an issue where that's a little more difficult. J-
0: Jameer Johnson and, and Locklear are probably two that stand out to me as juniors. You know, guys that have played in the guys past. guys who have
1: played and know they're yeah. good enough to play.
0: And, and if they're not playing, they're going to be disappointed, and they might be tempted to. Maybe not check out, but they might sulk a little bit. It's still it's, hard
1: for me to believe that Jameer Johnson's not out there. It's conceivable. There. I, I, no, it's very yeah. conceivable, but I'm saying what it's hard for me to believe because last season he was by far yeah. their most consistent player up front. And again, year to year, we don't know what kind of a camp he's had. Mm. Maybe it's a deal where he's struggling through camp. Maybe it's a deal where he's put on weight and he's sluggish. Maybe it's a deal where he's been okay, but other guys have just been better. I I, think maybe I, he's I, taken I
0: strides and some other guys have just taken bigger strides in some cases, and, and maybe, that's, not, and that's maybe, not to say he's not the starter, but... Maybe Maybe that was a
1: he-is-what-he-is guy and other guys had more upside, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Possible. I, and I, if you're Tennessee, you can't sit there and say that just because you were good enough last year means you're good enough this year because they don't want to be 5-7 and seven again.
0: Right. And and you've got options this year. And that's, again, we're not saying that we think guys have passed up Jameer Johnson. That's not the case. It's just it looks like it's a discussion, and that's more than we thought it would be. You know, if you'd asked me coming out of the spring, I would have thought, Jameer Johnson's starting somewhere, whether it's left guard, left tackle, wherever, he'll start. And now I'm I'm not totally sure about that, so... It's it's an interesting deal. I, I don't know that it's the perfect way to handle it, but I think under the circumstances, like we're saying, it's a challenge. You're, you're managing a roster. You're managing an offensive line that might still evolve throughout the season. Uh, I don't think there's a perfect way to do it. I'm, I'm, Will Friend, if you're asking him and he's being honest, he might tell you that ideally he'd love to handle it a different way, but their hand may be forced in some ways because of, again, the type of people they're managing. You might have to just handle it this way and kind of keep it open going into the season. And
1: I don't want to make it sound like we're conspiracy theorists saying, like, you know, the U.S. never landed on the moon. What, what I'm saying is, and maybe it's worse because we covered Butch Jones for a while, so we just got used to everything <laughs> that was ever said to us being like, that might not be true. Because it it made – and I, I can't speak for anyone else, but it, it made me question everything every coach says for a while now because I it makes you – more analytical, more critical of what a coach says rather than, rather than saying, oh, well, he said it, so I'm sure he's, I'm sure that's what he means. I think Pruitt is, is much, much, much different in so many ways, though, and I think one way is that I'm not saying that there's not a reason why he says the things he says and he does plant seeds and he does do those things, but I also think he would rather just not say something than flat come out and lie. And so when I think he says these things, I think there's at least a pretty good measure of truth to it. I think that's what he thinks or what he wants. And I do think that he came from a situation, several programs that were very competitive, competing for championships, and he knows that take any good company anywhere, it's just because you've done well one month, you, that doesn't mean you can coast the next month. That doesn't mean that you can just go out there and not do your job. I mean, we work for a competitive company. If any of us with our bosses just went out there and were bad for an extended period of time, we're not going to keep our jobs or, or keep being in the roles we've had because we've had it for, you know, years. That, that's just not how it goes. That's not how it goes in any good company. You have to earn your spot all the time. And and I think that was perhaps one of the biggest differences between Pruitt and offensive coaches is that offensive coaches want consistency in performance, but they want consistency out there, thinking that eventually they'll get where they need to be with this group because they like the consistency. Defensive coaches, they can rotate guys all the time, and they don't really care. They're saying, give me fresh legs, give me fresh attack dogs. And and so I think that – that's a little bit of a difference there between offense and defense, but it's fascinating to me because I think this is a discussion that we're going to have throughout the season.
2: Yeah, and one thing we should add is that throughout the course of the season, they may end up starting eight, ten different guys. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I think they started eight guys last year, and, and and something else that I did hear. I think you said Tatum, or I, I think I heard Tatum say when he was talking when I was over there, uh, the brief time I was over there, is saying that you know we've seen at Tennessee how they've been hit with a bunch of injuries on the offensive yeah. line. We saw it last year; it was even worse two years ago. Uh, I mean, they're going to eventually, eventually they could probably need all these guys, you know, to rotate into a game um, to come, you know, start a game after a guy goes out. So uh, in that sense, maybe it's good that they are contemplating having eight to 10 guys. So it means that if there are injuries or if Trey Smith can't play or what have you, then there potentially may not be much of a drop off in terms of, uh, of going from one guy to the next.
1: I got good news guys, Uh, or I don't want to presume it's good news. I think it might be, do we still like products? Yeah, like services. Do we take advantage of services? Do do we like having services at our disposal?
2: It's nice to have services and and goods.
1: You know, how about the occasional in-house ad where you get to hear something about another good podcast in the CBS network that maybe you didn't know previously existed, but you thought, "Wow, I want to listen to that." We gotta pay the bills, man. Do you like paying bills? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then I got good
3: news for all y'all. Hashtag ad.
1: Get a good cool-down period. Yeah, some maybe some some hot some nice herbal tea for the for the
0: vocal cords. Hot outside, had to had to get 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 some ice, ice myself down after how hot it's been.
1: That's true. Well, as my dad would say, it's never too hot to have a cup of coffee. If, if if you ever tell my dad that it's too hot to have a cup of coffee, he's going to look at you like you're a child. And
0: so that's crazy talk. I'm not a coffee guy. So. Uh, you don't
1: get the name rawhide by being
0: soft on people. Coffee's gross.
1: <sighs> One day, Pat. Nope. One day we'll get you there. One day we'll get Negative. you. Negative. You know what? Also is interesting here. This is. Are we about to talk about the portal? Yeah, I like talking about the portal. <laughs> we need a portal sound effect. We've. What would it would it, would it be like a sci fi thing? Like a. What what would it be?
0: We still need a gif for when we're tweeting about news regarding the portal. I feel like.
1: Like a like a good like cheap old B sci-fi movie yeah. graphic of like some sort of terrible looking portal. That's probably what maybe we just
0: a guy spinning through space, you know, just kind of hurtling.
1: Well here's the thing you gotta remember, guys, the portal's not a one-way door. Goes back you can go one way, you can go the other way, or you can look at it and not go through it. You can go into it and come back. You can emerge from the portal. And it seems one Tennessee player has done that. Redshirt freshman, defensive lineman, Karat Garland has been back out there at practice. He was back out there Tuesday, and since he was in shoulder pads, that would mean that it had to be at least his third day doing something. Yep. Because because of the NCAA's acclamation period, you can't put on shoulder pads or shells for until your third day, and you can't put on full pads until your fifth day. So we don't know if he would have been able to wear full pads Tuesday. Now because none of the team did, so no one was out there in full pads. He,
0: so, so we don't know. He might have come back Saturday for the scrimmage and then practiced again Monday, and then what we saw was he would have he would have to do two days in helmets and shorts. Mm-hmm.
1: Bottom line, Tennessee needed bodies at the defensive line position. Needed some some quality bodies. And you know what's better than having to have campus tryouts and have uh, some guy go out there and join when school starts and then you have to figure out if he's any good or not. What's better is having a scholarship player come back, and that's what Tennessee's had. It's basically like Karat Garland had an injury for a while, and he's back because he's there, and I I don't think he's going to be up to speed from the beginning. um, But this is a guy, I've said this before, I don't think he's a world beater. I don't think he's an All-American. I do like his upside, and I do like his ability – in the long term, to be a good defensive lineman at the SEC level, and I think Tennessee's coaches, more importantly, believe the same thing. So this is good news. And
0: Patrick, I'll let you explain this, but Jeremy Pruitt basically hinted at this all along. Um, you know, from the from the first time he was asked about Karat Garland, kind of laid the laid the groundwork for Karat Garland to come back at some point. Said, hey, sometimes players go in the portal and they don't leave. Yeah, he kind of when we asked him about it um, the day before they started practice, which was a
2: couple of days after <clears throat> after Garland went into the portal, he he said that you know it's not basically it wasn't a guarantee that that he's going to leave. And now we have to, you know, we, we mentioned that in stories right about guys going in the transport portal um, and, and Pruitt back in February. And I think we talked about this maybe on the podcast where we talked about this uh, earlier in the month, but back in February, when Drew Richmond, Eli Wolf, some of those guys, Austin Smith were in the portal. Pruitt was when we asked him about, it, he was pretty clear that, Hey, those guys have told me, you know, they're not, they're not coming back. Yeah. So, um, and, and I think Jordan Allen was another guy that was in the portal that's, that, that's come back too. So, because mama,
1: uh, mama threw him back out.
2: Uh, yeah, so you know it, it's possible for guys to come back, and I don't, you know, I don't know if how many if Garland had more than one foot out the door. I don't know if he just didn't get any sort of feedback. It was kind of a weird time to go into the portal with a lot of programs just starting preseason practice or about to start preseason practice. But um, I, I don't know if he just didn't get the interest he was looking for. Because that's the whole point of the thing is that you know when you're in the portal, coaches from other programs can contact you. So. Mm-hmm um i don't know i don't know how much contact he kept up with tennessee during this process but uh, i know he's out there on tuesday and tracy rocker was working pretty hard and, and uh, rocker was pretty fired up at everybody on tuesday but uh, he was definitely 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 riding garland pretty good and this and you is would a expect six, that yeah, to happen
1: this is a 6'3 three, five pound kid who's a pretty good athlete and who looks more physically imposing than a lot of tennessee's other defensive linemen and you know what if your rule is think of it like greg emerson right even though his first Year on-campus was not necessarily great. Every time you looked at Greg Emerson, you thought, man, that guy's got a chance. Same thing with Combo, right? Even when his career didn't start very well, you were thinking, just look at the guy. He's got to be pretty good at some point. Look at the guy. You're,
2: you're blinded by the cowboy collar he had on Tuesday.
1: Listen, it, it's, it's a scientific fact that the cowboy collar makes you at least 41% better at football. Cause that sounds like a good fullback number and it thinks it makes you 41%. Better.
2: Yeah. But, but he was a guy that I think they held out of the Vanderbilt game cause they wanted to keep his red shirt. And usually if you do that with a guy, you think, yeah, we may want to you know see what this guy's got. And Pruitt even said yesterday that I think he's got a lot of upside. I, I wouldn't be expecting very much off the bat though. Cause remember he didn't even go through spring practice. He was inside every day running. So yeah. he,
1: running I, a lot. It should be in good really shape. Hasn't
2: even, so whenever his first practice was after he came back out of the portal um, the, 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 that would have been his first practice since the end of last season, which is we're yep. talking late November. So it's a it's a long time since he's been practicing football. So he's going to be rusty. He's going to be you know you wonder what his conditioning is going to be. Um, but he's a guy that's, that's gotten a lot bigger since he been since he since he got in the program, and uh, we'll just have to kind of see how they develop him. I, I think he might start out the season on, on the scout team early on, just because I yep. you know. But with the defensive line, I don't think they're going to turn down anybody they think can help. So. Uh, we'll just have to kind of see what what goes on, but yeah, he, I think he, he
1: didn't come back fat, which is nice. So he's been running around, so he's at least been doing something. Now that doesn't mean you're in football shape, but that means that you've yeah, got but, a chance.
2: But the thing is, is, is that his team, rest of his teammates, have been going through three weeks of camp, and he showed up yeah. for the last couple of days of it. Fresh so. legs, <laughs>
0: fresh legs. So.
1: In, the, in, in the NFL, that's just called being smart.
0: Yeah, it's, it's I don't, like I, don't
1: he, I don't need to sign that contract yet. I'll wait till camp's gone for a couple of weeks, then I'll then I'll sign that deal and come back.
0: But but yeah, you you hate to say that Tennessee needs a guy who looked like he might not necessarily be among the four or five best guys on the defensive line but they're 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 just deep enough but yet not so deep there's not a spot for him in their rotation I mean I've, we don't know Aubrey Solomon's status yet so you've already lost him Emmett Gooden this you could be two guys down from what you thought you were going into the season so it's this is a kind of a big deal to Tennessee I think this is a guy that absolutely could help and you know as you guys said I think Jeremy Pruitt's still excited about Kraut Garland's future if not as if not even his present. so helps depth, helps, uh, helps the whole situation look a little bit more manageable this year. And uh, you still need Aubrey Solomon back, I think, but this makes it a little bit easier if you don't get the answer you were hoping for there uh, to, to get by this season with another big body that Probably could help at nose tackle or at defensive end.
1: If you're listening to this, Karak Garland, you still need a New Jersey number. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm staying on that, and I mean that. 79 yeah. for a defensive lineman, not uh, a good. You that's not. see it a lot. That's an offensive lineman's jersey in this era. Don't don't do it. Well, Just get, mean, get a better number. That's all I'm the, saying. That's all I'm saying.
0: In the '90s and 2000s, that was a common defensive tackle number. But we don't live in that era anymore, do we?
1: <laughs> Before we move on, we'll say quickly. Speaking of Tennessee's defensive line, Emmett Gooden did have his surgery to repair his torn ACL. He gave a thumbs up there on the Twitter machine on Al Gore's internets, and he said everything went pretty well. So he's not a doctor, but we'll take his word for that because I'm sure the doctors told him it went well. So uh, best wishes to Emmett Gooden on his recovery. Good that he has a redshirt year to burn, and hopefully he comes back and and plays ball next year. That would be that would be good for him and good for the Tennessee program. Moving on, uh, Tennessee had an interesting day on Tuesday on practice. We'll talk a little bit more of that in a a second, but there were a lot of guys in different spots out there. One of them had a a bit more sign of potential permanence or, or, or at least a longer temporary stay than the others. Uh, one was a freshman guys playing at a completely new position.
0: Yeah. Scholarship freshman. Now, Aaron, Aaron Beasley is one of the guys that we said, you know, even before he got on campus, that he was probably one of the more versatile guys they had signed in the 2019 class. He, He played running back in high school and, and, was really productive at that position, leading some people to wonder, you know, hey, if they if they don't get a second back in this class, and they didn't, would they maybe just play him at running back? And that's always, you know, maybe let's, a possibility too. But let me interject here,
2: guys. I don't I don't think kavar's Crouch is moving to running back anytime soon. No, let's let's go ahead and get that out of the way. We yeah. get that question a lot. Could they play him at running back in like a in like a package, a la AJ Johnson back in the day? The beast package, maybe sure. possibly. Can't you can rule work, it out. You can work that into a game plan for a week if you know, Cheney's creative it, enough to get you down a goal line. But, guys, he's not going to, like, be working at running back Well, now. they've already lost an outside linebacker, too. I mean, they're and shorter they, on depth. They, than they, than they don't have depth at outside linebacker. And I think Crouch has shown some, some yeah. potential to help there um, on the defensive side. So let's let's go ahead and – I'm not saying don't ask that question again, but if you ask that question again, I'll probably give you an annoyed response. <laughs> so,
0: so yeah, so, so we'll warned. We if
1: we know anything about Pat, it's that he does not hide – his annoyance frustration very well
0: especially behind a wheel but um that's true go on about Beasley right? but yeah so we, so people wondered if Beasley might play running back you know we, we knew he was a bigger safety you know even when he signed he was probably 212 pounds or so I mean at one point he was 220 uh, during his senior year and it kind of admitted he needed to lose some weight but Tennessee liked him as that kind of bigger safety all along and he slimmed down he's in the what did Jeremy Pruitt say Tuesday 205 206 range yeah so He's still a little bit on the heavier side for a safety, but had been moving well back there, and I thought looks good. He's
1: not as big as McCullough, I don't think. No, I I think McCullough looks bigger now.
0: I think they're both about the same weight wise. I think they just carried a little bit differently. I think Beasley is a leaner looking guy, and and, I mean they called Jalen Tank for a reason. Even in high school, at one ninety or one ninety five at times, he was still kind of a heavier looking guy just because of the way he's put together. But um, but Beasley's looked, I thought he looked like he fit in at safety. Um, So this is more about the linebacker situation, I think, than about. Beasley's long term future, but it could be about his long term future. I think it just maybe depends on how he looks there and what they want to do with him after this year, but it and at I least lo- has a chance to be a long term move.
1: I love that football is at a point now where people understand how to use tweeners. Yeah. People, we talked about this with Derek Tensley on the previous podcast, you know, on the other side of the ball, that football just has gotten better about sub packages and finding good roles for people whether they try to say you nah, know we don't have to shoe you into a weird spot here what we're going to do is you're not going to do much until we get to this one package and you're going to be perfect in this one role and they understand that now and I think that's made the game better and, so I, and, I, I'm, I'm glad it, to see
2: that it sounds like the move was made in short term to address the kind of the shortage of, of bodies at linebacker Daniel Batuli's had a sore knee haven't seen him do a whole lot uh, I'm not sure how much he actually scrimmaged uh, the other night um, he
1: hadn't done much for a couple of weeks now
2: yeah and so they got to get him right before the season starts I don't I don't think it's an issue where he couldn't play if a game was Saturday, but um, it Will ignore too. He's had his ankle wrapped up since about the first week of camp. Uh, JJ Peterson still coming through his shoulder. I think he's, I think he's doing full contact now, but still he's a guy that has had injuries in the past. So
1: needs to get his conditioning uh, back up.
2: But but I think long term it almost sounds uh, when I asked Pruitt about it on uh, after Tuesday's practice, it sounds like they kind of view Beasley as sort of a hybrid linebacker safety kind of
1: a money guy, a money
2: money linebacker. So. Um, I, I'm not smart enough to know all of the what all that exactly means necessarily, but I, I think he's a guy that's maybe that, that tweener that you talked about, Wes. A guy that's maybe big enough to play linebacker, but you don't want him on the field against a team that's running two tight ends. But
1: he's a bigger, he's a, uh, a money. You're, you're almost kind of a linebacker safety hybrid in a dime defense yeah. where in case a team tries to run it down your throat, you have a bigger yeah, safety can, there to help against the Yeah.
2: Bottom. And so, yeah, that's that's sort of you want a bigger linebacker, but a guy that can still move and cover and, and correct and. and handle all those things in space so um that's sort of it sounds like that's the role they maybe envision him playing down the road and, and prude even said that he has a chance to get on the field in that role this season so um that'll that'll be interesting he, he's been running third team though so yeah um maybe a guy that could help in some sub packages some specialty situations and, and on special teams but uh, a guy that we'll see we'll we'll continue to see where he's lined up every day when and, we go to practice
0: and he was working with the threes at safety too i mean it looked like he wasn't likely to play a lot this year. I mean, you you always could be a couple injuries away from that changing, but I didn't, it didn't look like he was that close We should, to we should
1: mention also that they've, that they've had a bug going through camp a little bit. Yeah. A couple of guys have been sick lately, and uh, that's decimated a couple of positions, especially inside linebacker. So, and that was another reason.
0: And they're not as deep an inside linebacker as people might want to think. I, I know people have looked at that position. You look at recruiting rankings from the past, and you see, well, there's J.J. Peterson and Henry Toe.
2: I'd say right now they've probably got a solid four-man rotation there.
0: But right. beyond yeah. that, it's it's, it's kind really, of open behind that. Yeah,
2: it's a little bit up in the air depending on where Peterson at. Is that per you know in his progression? Well, and
0: especially because I mean it is such a spread out game these days. It, you know, it's not just third downs that you can have your nickel or dime package out there. it Depends on who you're playing. So you you might. I mean, it really is important to have those linebackers that can go out whether they're two thirty or two ten, as, as in you know Beasley's case, 205, 210 No matter how heavy they are, you need those guys who can play that position and move well enough in coverage to to not not be a liability out there when you're when you're spread out four or five wide. So that's that's the importance of that position and so that's why I think I mean like, like you said Jeremy Pruitt and, and coaches these days understand the importance of those positions and and I think this this again shows the the willingness of this staff to sort of move guys around when they do, when they feel they have a good football player and they see an opportunity they'll they'll do what they have to do to get a guy on the field and I think this could be a good use of Aaron Beasley for this year to kind of make make some use of him instead of just letting him redshirt at safety.
1: Now, Beasley's move was one that that looked like it had a little bit more feel of, I don't want to say permanence, but you know a, a longer temporary move or, or potential for a permanent move. There were a bunch of other interesting things that we saw in the practice field Tuesday, and I don't think they were nearly as significant maybe as some people are saying that they were Uh, you basically had a bunch of defensive linemen working with the outside linebackers some outside linebackers working with defensive linemen you had guys moving around to different spots and I think that was primarily, for instance, they had uh, Daryl Middleton, you know, six, six foot seven, three hundred and fifteen or three hundred and ten pound kid, working with the outside linebackers. I think he was basically working on pass rush stuff. Well, I don't was, think I don't think that meant he's going to be an outside linebacker.
2: Well, it was him and John Mincy and Latrell Bumpus too. So I think those guys were just getting some extra pass rush uh, pass rush work. Um, Ryan, that, that noise making that guy should didn't it? Um, that uh, we need that in the Hall of Fame and, of the and, podcast. And, and Wes, I don't There's know. There's never that a, a far I didn't see any. Funny. I didn't see any inside or outside linebackers working on the defensive line. Today. I don't know where you. I think you just made.
1: That. Uh, no, there was one young guy who was working with them. It may have been a, a walk on, a guy who had just moved around. So that may not have been okay. anything permanent. All right, I can tell you it was, was. I no, believe it you. was 52. <laughs> the, it was 52. The Aiken kid. I saw who it was. Um, but there, there were. Basically, some guys moving around doing different things, and and we're getting used to seeing that at practice. And by that, I also mean guys who were you know guards playing look like tackle or tackle look like playing guard. Those guys are moving around a lot, and, and it's interesting though because you, Jeremy Pruitt said, and I think he meant it, that they weren't going to just you know as willy nilly move guys around as much as they did last season. They're still doing that more than I think more than a lot of other people do, but this is how. They practice. And, and I'll say this again. I, we were warned about this. Our, our good friend, good friend of the pod, FOP, uh, Travis Ryer from BOL.com. And, and if you're an Alabama fan, uh, the, the BOL guys have a podcast. It's really good. You should listen to it. Um, There's probably
2: not any Bama fans that listen to this podcast.
1: Uh, or you might have a family member who is a Bama fan who wants to listen to it. But I'm saying, if 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 you like to, if you want to know your opponent, better know a foe, right? You can listen to their podcast. And uh, Travis Ryer's is one of the better guys in, in terms of just analyzing football and understanding what's going on. He's excellent at that stuff. And, and he told me as soon as Pruitt came to Tennessee, he gave me a heads up, and he said, listen, you're going to see a lot of linebackers and defenders practicing in completely different positions on a day-to-day basis. That doesn't mean what you think it means. He basically said that, that Alabama has linebackers who will go almost every other day working with the inside backers and outside backers because they want four-for-four four guys who can do everything. Uh, that, that's why they when they say a four-for-four four backer, that's when they mean a guy who could play any of those four linebacker positions. Same thing up front. They want a guy who can play some on the nose, can play some at the end in, in different packages. They, they want to see guys do different things and have versatility for skill sets. And so that is all that is, is them cross-training guys to have different skills.
2: They do in the secondary too, but to okay. kinda to conclude, um, where where nobody is moving Darrell Middleton and John Mincy and the Bumpus. they those guys aren't aren't gonna be outside linebackers. They might rush off the edge in some situations. Yeah. Maybe a little prowler um, little prowler package. And and, and Bumpus was a guy that Tracy Rockers have had been their best pass rushing defensive lineman. But good story. I, mean, if I that, think if
1: that pans out, good story. I, I
2: think all three of those guys are in line to be part of the rotation on the defensive line, so I don't know, even though they've got some Question marks number wise, outside linebacker. I just I don't think that that's like going to be any sort of permanent move, but could be sort of a sub package or just maybe want to get this guy some work on their pass rush moves.
0: Yeah. Oh, and, and with bump, I said it
2: right this time, by the way. That was just a one, one, one off mistake. But, you but, don't but make listen, many mistakes, but listen, there's but not they do happen from time to time. There
1: <laughs> there's two things are always funny: people falling down and farts. Those are always funny. I don't care what you say; those are two things that will always be funny. They always have been. They are the two twin pillars of comedy, and they will always be funny. And if you disagree, you're wrong.
2: Do you laugh when you fall down things? Oh, gosh, yes. Okay.
1: I laughed, fought down the stairs and broke one of my ribs, and I cracked up about it. As soon as I they gave me pain medication, and it didn't hurt as bad anymore. I was like, ha ah, like ah, that's funny. I think I'm going to watch some adult cartoons now. But, you know, pain
0: meds. But, yeah, but Bumpus, uh, you know, it's interesting that he he's kind of taken this path, but coming out of high school, a lot of people thought he was... His best position would be kind of a pass rushing defensive end. He was he was smaller than He was he was two thirty to two forty in that range, and he's, he's obviously he's gained thirty pounds. Yeah, he's gotten gotten quite a bit bigger, so he's he now fits that three four defensive end role. But yeah, he, he's always had some pass rush ability. He just kind of wanted to play tight end more coming out of high school, so that was always on the radar, and so that's why he's kind of bounced around a little bit, and you've had to kind of figure out where his best spot is. But not not shocking to me that this is maybe where he's going to settle in and finally find a home and and be able to contribute a little bit.
1: Guys, do we still like products? Need them. We like services. Yes. Like in-house ads. We like we like things. We like paying bills. We like stuff, don't we? Yeah. We're fans of stuff. Mm-hmm. Then here's really good news. #Hashtag ad.
4: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love. Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Welcome back to the GoVols 24 7 podcast. Joined now by Grant Ramey, who was not here earlier but now is here because he comes and goes uh, at his whims. What's up, Grant?
5: Uh, I make the rules, so I just make it up as I go and follow him.
1: Before we get into this basketball, Grant, I want to ask you how you feel about this. How do you feel about being a part of the very, very last podcast segment for the Govos 24-7 podcast in the sunroom? How do you feel about that uh,
5: it's a it's a pretty big honor I mean uh, I hated the sunroom from the start uh, yeah. it's usually not sunny when we're in there uh, and that's about it so I don't really have any no uh, no emotional ties to it so I'm ready to rip off the band-aid let's go
1: yeah because I got the the chairs have have arrived so now we can those are
5: those are important so for now sitting. so
1: now we can finally go back into the actual studio Uh, It sounded like I was getting choked up then. That really was just a bug in my throat. But it will be nice to be back in the studio with the new floors and bells and whistles and all of that. Grant, on to basketball. The reason we're discussing basketball right now with it being a week until the start of Tennessee football season, actual football season, 11-on-11 different color jerseys tackle football season when Tennessee takes on Georgia State. We're talking basketball now because there's been an update to 24-7 sports rankings and a Tennessee class that already looked really, really good now looks even better.
5: Yeah, it's uh, it's as much uh, as a bump as Keon Johnson gave them when he committed a couple weeks ago, I believe it was August 6th. Uh, he got another bump uh, with the 247 update uh, updated rankings for 2020. He only went up six spots from number 26 overall to number 20 uh, in the country, but the, obviously the big emphasis is what people look for. He went from a four-star... Uh, to a five-star, and I think he's now the fifth highest-rated all-time commitment in the history of, uh, you know, the rating system in Tennessee basketball, basketball. so obviously that's huge, and and you saw this coming. Uh, This kid's stock had steadily risen throughout his recruitment, and it kind of really started to take off this summer. Uh, I think we talked about back when he committed uh, that breaking news podcast when he did commit that uh, he had gone to Team USA's camp in Colorado, the U-17 kind of mini-camp, uh, and he walked away there with uh, the MVP for the weekend. Uh, and obviously that's going to be you know, some of the most elite talent in the country. You're talking about uh, under 17 years old for the Team USA basketball and all that. So uh, what this kid does, you know, the two-way guard, the, he's a really, really good defender, one of the best defenders in the country. He's adding to his offensive game, becoming a better shot maker. So just kind of all the pieces kind of added up to to this kid getting that fifth star and and really deserving it.
1: And and I think this is interesting, too. Jerry Meyer, who, uh, in addition to being one of the best guys in the business, is also, in my opinion, the best basketball talent evaluator in the business. And he has compared Keon Johnson to Malik Beasley from the Denver Nuggets. And that's a name that if you don't watch a lot of NBA, you might not know much about, but... That's a, that's a nice comparison. That's a good basketball player. Uh, that th- this is a this is a big time player. This is a two-way guard who talked to, about him a lot. why everybody should be excited about him and and you know, this is a kid who fits exactly what they they want there is what I'm trying to say. He fits exactly the profile that Rick Barnes and his staff want as a talent, the way he plays the game, the way he's a two- way player. Uh, he just fits this system very well. And on top of all that now, he is, officially now a consensus five-star so it's not just that tennessee loves him now it's i think pretty much everybody loves this kid
5: yeah and it feels like we talked about that a lot with josiah james back when he committed uh last year and and signed with tennessee last november uh it was anytime you mentioned it it was almost like man if rick barnes could create a prospect in the lab uh it would be this kid that's a six six point guard that's left-handed that likes to defend and likes to get everybody else involved and it's kind of like you're talking about the same thing with Keon Johnson. Uh, Rick's going to recruit the guys that he thinks fits his system and and the guys that he likes the way they play the game. Uh, This guy couldn't really do anything more to kind of fit that Rick Barnes mold, Uh, the way he enjoys playing defense. And and like we mentioned, it's one of the best defenders in the country Uh, the way he uh, attacks on the offensive end, the way he's versatile on the offensive end, he can score it at at kind of all three levels. He's getting to be a better shot maker. Uh, He can take you off the dribble. He gets other people involved and, uh, when you talk to people uh, about Keon Johnson, they talk about how good of a basketball player he is off uh, on the floor and how much of an impact he'll make off the floor. So uh, this is another kid who uh, the five-star rating is great and all that and all the hoopla that comes with it. But, yeah, he's a, he's a guy that uh, fits that Barnes mold and should be a huge, huge impact from day one as soon as he steps on campus. And,
1: and you know, I started thinking about this too because as you wrote this story, and there's a really good story that you wrote on GoBoss247.com right now uh, about this, and – What's interesting to me is that Josiah Jordan James is a kid who obviously I think we all know that he's a really, really good basketball player. um, But if he never plays a game for Tennessee, he still has played a really, really important role in this because the first like mega prospect that jumps on board somewhere – is a kid taking a leap of faith, and to, to 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 some extent. I mean, he saw that Tennessee had gotten to where it had gotten as a program, and all that, and and you know, Rick Barnes had taken all these other guys, and he and his staff had kind of built this kind of super team of of guys who weren't super prospects, uh, and turned some of them, into, you know, four of them into NBA players already. Um, but he jumped on board, and since then. I'm telling you, Grant, this almost feels like a sea change for Tennessee basketball recruiting because in addition to Keon Johnson, uh, Corey Walker is another guy who now he's up 10 spots to the number 37 overall prospect. So this is a very, very, very high four-star, again, right here with Corey Walker. And, you know, this is a kid who, uh, you know, Josiah Jordan James kind of got the thing started and then... Corey Walker jumps on board now Keon Johnson. And I think in that you don't want Corey Walker to be lost because this kid's a really good prospect.
5: Yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, just what you said there, number 37 overall, just imagine uh, in any other recruiting class at Tennessee, he's going to be, you know, the headliner, the marquee name, the the guy that everybody talks about. Uh, I mean, that was uh, Josiah James last year. Like you talked about, he, I think he was, I think he ended up around number 27 overall in the class. I can't remember right off the top of my head for 2019, and yeah, you're right about kind of him being kind of the tipping point. When he committed in September, it was it was kind of a surprise. Everybody kind of thought he was maybe going to Clemson based on kind of how he set up his timeline after that Clemson visit. Obviously, Duke was involved. Michigan State was involved. Anytime those guys are, are chasing you, they're they're going to get uh, a lot of um, people thinking you might be headed there. His dad played at Michigan State, and then he kind of surprises everybody and pulls that since he had out of the bag. And since then... Uh, you go to March, um, I think they didn't offer Corey Walker until January. They got him on campus late February. Then they got him back on campus uh, the following week. I think March 3rd was his second visit in maybe three weeks. And uh, as soon as that visit ended, he committed to Tennessee. And, uh, that was the first big name in this class. Uh, he's another really good basketball player. He's another guy that uh, just talking to people about who this kid is and, and what he does, they feel like he's just beginning to kind of scratch the surface of of what his game can be. I think he's one of those guys, they think, you know, in high school, you kind of rely on your raw talent and just being a better athlete uh, than others around you. And I think when they get him to Tennessee, they can really teach him how to work, uh, how to work on his craft, how to change his body, how to, you know, become a better athlete uh, and just a better total basketball player. So they feel like there's a ton there uh, with him, just a a ton of upside and, and what he can bring to the program. But yeah, you pair him with Keon, uh, a number 20 overall player, a five-star in Keon, and a uh, really high, highly rated four-star, number 37 with Corey Walker. That's a that's a huge start to, to what could be a mega class for Tennessee.
1: Yeah, that's where I was pivoting this to, Grant, is this is – and again, I, I think people should be ecstatic about where things are right now. Right now at Tennessee, this is a, you know, a top five-ish class right now, just as it is. But what's interesting, and this is what your story lays out really well, is that I've been covering – I started covering Tennessee right at the turn of the century there. I was 17 years old covering them in the year 2000. And to watch this kind of evolution of this basketball program and and kind of, you know, it's kind of ebbs and flows, it's at a point now where I've never seen this many elite prospects – interested in Tennessee basketball. Even during the Pearl era, you really didn't see quite this much. I mean, you had that Ramar Smith-Duke Cruz class, and that was some some big-time guys in that class. Um, But this is, in in terms of the number of guys, you laid out a handful of top 100 prospects right now who are not just interested in Tennessee. They are very, very interested in Tennessee. And, And you're talking about now the potential of, of rolling out a Tennessee basketball signing class that if the breaks go Tennessee's way right now, it could be right up there. I mean, you could flip flop it with like a Duke or, or Kentucky class and you wouldn't know which was which. I mean, and and that's staggering to me, but that's kind of where this thing almost looks like it could be going.
5: Yeah. It's, it's uh it's kind of crazy how, how quickly the, the, the tide has changed a little bit with, with the recruiting yeah. momentum. And, and when you put the, you know when you do what you did with, with the roster the last uh, couple of years and, and put the guys in the nba the way you did how you turn grant williams into a, a first round draft pick you're going to be kind of you uh, you're, you're going to be a lot more popular uh, in recruiting circles based on how you can get guys to the league that's all, that's all they care about i mean they care about the school facilities campus all that stuff environment coaching staff uh, but the number one objective for these kids is to get to the league uh, and to play at a professional level and and you know play at the highest level Uh, you can play and I think they see that they see the player development Uh, there's a really good family atmosphere feel whatever with the the Tennessee basketball program and the way Rick Barnes uh, and his staff kind of conduct their business and uh, yeah the 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 start they have you know this is just the start they have PJ Hall Uh, he'll be on campus for an official visit in October he's the number 65 overall player in the country a 6'9 power forward out of uh, the uh, South Carolina out of uh, Dorman High School, yep. uh, Spartanburg big, area. Big time you.
1: program there. They produce a lot of football players, but some hoops players too.
5: Right. And, and his family, his his dad's from Kingsport and uh, he has Tennessee ties. Uh, I think he had, might have grandparents that still live in the state. His dad played at Wofford and uh, his dad told him when he was growing up that Tennessee was his dream school. So, I mean, there's a lot of connections there. Uh, Jaden Springer, the number 16 overall player in the class, five-star talent, uh, another shooting guard. Uh, you know, he's his he plays for Bobby Mays' program, AAU program, B Mays' elite. He has for, uh, I guess, the last three summers now. Uh, he trains in Knoxville a lot with Bobby Mays during the offseason. His dad uh, is in Knoxville with him during those training sessions and, and likes Tennessee in the Rick Barnes program. and uh, That's a team that, I mean, that's a, that's a kid that's got Tennessee in his top five, just like P.J. Hall does. I think they're going to be in it uh, until the end for both of those kids. Uh, And when you're talking about, you know, Tennessee basketball fans kind of dream world, thinking about the number 16 player, the number 20 player, the number 37 player all in the same class. uh, It would be uh, insane to sit here and even think about it, let alone watch it become reality. But they're putting themselves in position to to be a contender for these elite prospects.
1: Yeah. Just the thought here. Let's just let's just play this back and, and think about this. Just just follow me on this. This is a kid who is, again, he's playing at IMG Academy, but but he's from Charlotte, North Carolina, and he is a top 15 overall prospect. Top 15 overall prospect from Charlotte, North Carolina, a guy UNC desperately wants, and Tennessee is right in the fight with him. That, that's just, when you think about when when Rick Barnes was introduced as Tennessee's head basketball coach just a few years ago, if you had envisioned the most perfect scenario of what he could do with the program and how much time it would take, I don't know that you could draw up anything better than this right now. And I'm not trying to get people just so excited to where they're going to eventually come down and it's going to be disappointing. I, I'm not the kind of guy who throws around compliments and and, and praise, you know, that easily. I think that, that you have to be careful with how you say things and, and, you know, because people get excited and their emotions and all these things. But I'm, I'm telling you, Grant, I just to think that Tennessee is at the level it's at right now, top 15 kid, state of North Carolina, that North Carolina wants. And that everyone, as soon as North Carolina offered this kid, I think everyone thought, well, that, that one's done. That kid's going to UNC. But he might not be. And you might be talking about a, a Tennessee class eventually, who knows, that could have... You know, three or four like top 50, 60 type players. That's that's amazing.
5: Yeah, and, and you're right. It didn't take long to get here. Obviously, those those first two years under Rick Barnes were a uh, pretty big struggle. But what was it? Year three and year four uh, when they won fifty seven games. That was a pretty that was a pretty huge uh, turnaround. And it's just kind of everything has just kind of trickled down from there. And, and they've they've taken advantage. Of that success, and they've they've kind of launched off of uh, these long-lasting relationships. They they got Josiah James because of how much uh, they were in it consistently, you know, for the long haul. They they offered him, you know, four years before he ended up committing to Tennessee. They they've been after Jaden Springer. Uh, that's been one of the biggest names on their board uh, since this kid came onto the scene uh, again, like four years ago. I mean, a, a kid that's been around forever as a, a highly rated prospect. Same with Keon Johnson. It was just the continuity. And kind of the consistency that Tennessee was, uh, the presence they were in his recruitment and, and why he's there. Uh, and they and a guy like Corey Walker, they they got his attention. They worked really fast. They got him committed. Uh, and he hasn't budged from that commitment. And and you can spring it forward. Uh, just click over to the 2021 class uh, in the 247 rankings. I believe number five is uh, Paulo Banchero, yep. uh, a power forward out of uh, Seattle. 6'9", number one power forward in the country, number five overall player in the country, uh, he's going to be on an official visit to Tennessee in late October. Uh, you go to Memphis. I think the number 27 overall player in the class is Kennedy Chandler out of Briarcrest. He's the number two point guard in the class. Uh, he's probably the biggest name on Tennessee's board. Uh, the number one priority as we sit here tonight. Uh, so it's it's kind of the 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 prospects they're going after. They're obviously swinging uh, from their heels after some of the biggest names, and it's working uh, because of how much how consistently. Uh, how they're kind of all wrapping all this up and selling it in one sales pitch consistently going after these kids. Uh, it's been wild to watch how fast it's happened, but but here we are. It's happened.
1: Yeah, and you just, you just said that again. Let, let's rewind that again. Number, uh, a top five overall prospect. Kid from Seattle, not exactly a hop, skip, and a jump away from Knoxville, Tennessee, taking one of his five official visits already cemented, going to Tennessee for one of those visits. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And here's where this gets really fun for me. You think about not just what's happening at Tennessee, but what's happening on the other side of the state and the the sort of talent that obviously Penny Hardaway has been able to bring into Memphis. Uh, th- this, th- I think the, the whole, like, you talk about the whole, the Pearl Cow years of Tennessee-Memphis, like, this could be even better than that. I, I mean, th- this could be fun and it could be sustained, and, and I, I think this is just a really, really fun time for basketball in this state. And then, you know, Jerry Stackhouse at Vandy, you know he's going to be able to pull some guys too, so I think this is going to be just a really, really, really good time for basketball in this state.
5: Yeah, and, uh, and a, a little nugget for Tennessee fans that that they'll enjoy. Uh, Paulo Benchero does a, some of the top prospects in basketball recruiting. We'll do a blog for USA Today kind of chronicling the, uh, their recruitment uh, as it happens, and uh, he had previously said uh, he was – his top five schools weren't necessarily going to be his five official visits. He, were going to, he was going to use those trips to kind of get farther away from home and see the schools that are farther away that it's not as easy to get to, obviously. Uh, and he said something along the lines of, uh, I'm kind of deciding between Tennessee and Memphis. Obviously, both of those are in the same state, so I'm trying to just kind of pick one. Uh, and it didn't take very long, and he picked Tennessee. So uh, that's not to say Memphis is out of it, obviously. I don't think he's released any top schools or anything, but that's a nice win for Tennessee. Uh, just to get him on campus and, and get that settled so quickly.
1: yeah, you I mean you only get you know you get a set number of official visits. I mean, this isn't an unofficial. this is this is a big deal. so you know yeah, I mean, just crazy. look at the
5: the just look at the other teams he's visiting uh, Duke, Kentucky, Tennessee, Gonzaga, uh, I can't remember the fifth off the top of my head, uh, North Carolina, I believe. so it's it's a blue blood battle, uh, and then Gonzaga, obviously a hometown or a home state school in, in Washington. It's going to be hard to pull him away from the University of Washington. Uh, but just, just the fact that you've secured a, an official Yeah, because
1: Hopkins over there does a really good job recruiting. Right.
5: That, that's a really nice win uh, for them going forward. And, and just, I mean, you just kind of play it forward. You you go past this 2020 class that's shaping up to be huge, and, and they got more talent they're working on.
1: Grant, before I let you go, I think I, I I will steer back to football just for this one question. Your thoughts on the whole Mordecai McDaniel thing, because I know that you, you help a lot of us too, and you, and you help Ryan with the recruiting coverage and, and do a great job with it. And, you know, it's like it's like we have two, you know, recruiting analysts now on staff. And what, what are your thoughts on Mordecai McDaniel and that that ad for for Jeremy Pruitt? Uh, number
5: one, he's got an awesome name, yes. uh, Mordecai. Yes. Really should have really thought about that when my kids came along, but... I blanked on that. I, I don't I don't rank players, and I don't want to speak for people who do rank players, uh, but when you talk to the analysts and stuff that we did leading up to Mordecai's uh, decision and just kind of the way they described this kid, uh, he's got crazy speed, track speed, like 4340 40 range, kind of insane head-turning speed. Um, a really, really good special teams player. I think he'll make a special teams impact. Uh, from day one, whether that's like a gunner on punt team or kickoff or taking kicks back. I think he'll make an impact there. Uh, I think his best football is ahead of him. Uh, He's going to run downhill. He's going to hit you really hard. He's going to fill a gap. Uh, He's not afraid of contact. And and again, I don't rank the kids and and I don't want to speak for the analysts who do. uh, But when the the rankings updates do come out, whenever they do come out, I would expect a bump for Mordecai because uh, I think his best footballs ahead of him, and I think a lot of people are seeing that he's a really, really good athlete uh, and a guy that's just kind of beginning to to really s- kind of realize his potential and kind of put it all together. You know, Grant, to really, really, really nice gift for Tennessee.
1: I think your best days in journalism are ahead of you too, Grant. I'm just gonna I can guarantee
5: that. you that is not the case.
1: <laughs> well, thanks, Grant. We'll go ahead and step out of here now, and we'll we'll go to break, and we'll come back and get out of here. But but thanks for joining us. R.I.P. Sunroom.
4: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: That was Grant Ramey and I talking a little Tennessee basketball. Do you, feel, do you feel like we learned something there? Did we learn something?
2: Yes, I feel smarter. Which I'm surprised to say, listening to you two. I've got to be honest.
1: Listen, we are the, uh, we are the pen and teller. No, you're not. We are the pen and teller of, of Tennessee basketball coverage. We are magic.
0: I mean, that's, that's not the worst comparison considering how little Grant says.
1: That's what I'm saying. Right?
0: My, nickname, my new nickname is the Magic Man. Now you see me, <laughs> now you don't. Elf.
2: <laughs> it's Spanish for like fighting chicken.
1: Thanks for tuning in, guys. We will be back uh, probably at the latest. We'll be back Monday morning with some stuff to discuss. Got you know a couple of recruiting podcasts and breaking news things. You can go back earlier this week and listen to some, some good information there. Uh, got another full episode that we did on Monday. So you, you can go back and listen to all that stuff there in the feed right there and subscribe to us. Give us a rating. Don't just listen to this podcast. Go do us a solid. Go to Apple Podcasts, go to Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever you're getting your podcast. Go there, hit the subscribe button,
3: Help give some brothers out.
1: Give us a rating. And N- nothing nothing spreads word of a podcast faster than ratings on
0: those services. And
1: remember now we'd like a five star? Five star, five star, five star. We don't have to have it, but we would like it. Remember but our new give, schedule. Give us what we're worth.
0: Monday and Thursday our new schedule. So we'll be back with you guys on Monday with hey guys, a game week podcast. That's true. Starting football season.
1: Even though I said that a second ago and you weren't listening to me, you I didn't say game week, so that was still a good. Yes. It was It was good that you didn't listen it's, in that one it's case. different. You can find all of us on social media. I'm West Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is just Grant Ramey on Twitter. Don't search for Grant Ramey 24-7 because that person doesn't exist because that person will be a team player and Grant is not one. But he is really good at Facebook at our Facebook page at facebook.com slash twenty 247 does an excellent job there. Uh, and there's also twitter.com slash twenty 247 Or if you want to go straight, straight to the source, straight to the hose, you can go to govals 247com where you can get right now 30% off an annual subscription for less than the price of a, a mediocre lunch. Like worse than the cardboard lunches I'm having to eat now because my wife thinks I'm fat. We're, like cheaper than that even. You can get a full month to go boss twenty four seven or it's even cheaper than that if you want to go get a year subscription for thirty percent off. Pat, any final thoughts?
2: First place Braves.